thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Yeah, it's been a, a lovely couple of days. I hope you're enjoying some of the sunshine. I hope you're um, doing all those things. Happy birthday to those people. Uh, well done to making it this far in life, however old you may be. But uh, we're talking about the I Ams of Jesus and the, I, the movie world is littered with trilogies. If you were sat with somebody right now, what would your favourite movie trilogy would be? Three-parters, you know. Toy Story was a great one and then they made a fourth. So it, it's a, is it a quadrilogy now? I don't know. Um, the Matrix trilogy, maybe you're fans of that. Or there's three trilogies of Star Wars films. So uh, yeah, Sh- Shrek, was that a trilogy? Or was there four of those as well? Oh, four of those as well. Lord of the Rings, that became a, a mammoth trilogy, didn't it? But um, also, there are films with three-part names. So there's The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, which that might be a description of me on some mornings. Um, usually, obviously, The Good rather than the other two. Or there's uh, Dumb, Dumber and Dumberest. That uh, apparently is a documentary about the leaders of the world during the current pandemic. Um, or we've got The Three Amigos, we've got The Three Stooges, we've got all these different trios And all of these had parts played by three different people. And today, we're going to look at one of the most famous I am's that Jesus said. And it's a three-parter that described Jesus. One man who is described in these three ways. I'm going to do the reading today. We haven't got a video, sorry, but I'm going to do the reading because it's only short. But Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He's been betrayed, if you like, by Jesus. Judas has gone to betray him. He's established the symbols of the wine and the bread and the the Last Supper. And he starts to tell his followers about what is about to happen. He's about to be arrested and he's about to be killed. So we're going to read from John's Gospel, chapter 14, just verses 1 to 7. says this. This is Jesus speaking. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus' words could be words to us today. Before we even look at the I am statement, he says to his disciples, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Maybe I can say that to you where you are today. I can say it to you where you are today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because Jesus has stilled storms. He's calmed waves. He's been with them through every step of their journey so far. And he tells them that there is a place prepared for them. Now, I've recently read a a really good book that 
follows the, the journey of Jesus around Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, in Hebrew, the father's house was called Bet-Av. Bet-Av, that was the father's house. It was everything to the Jewish family. And as he says to the disciples, I've prepared a place for you in my father's house. My father's house has many rooms. That would have meant so much more to them than it does to us. We just think of a place which has got, you know, maybe a couple of extra rooms for us to, to, to camp out in or watch Netflix in. But in, in Hebrew, Bet-Av was everything. Because the father of the family was responsible if a family member became bankrupt. It was the father's responsibility to take them back into their Bet-Av, to have that place prepared for them. Bet-Av, the father's house, was protection. It was provision. It was security. And to lose your Bet-Av, your father's house, was actually to lose everything. Jewish tradition was that also when a couple were married the bride's father would add a room onto the house. They would add a room onto the house for the bride and the groom to live in and to begin their married life together in their father's house. In fact, when the house was first built, there was the provision to add rooms on. Jesus is saying at the very beginning of this passage, you're now the bride, I'm the groom, and the father is adding on rooms to accommodate you. The father is adding on Bet-Av to provide shelter for when you are bankrupt, to provide place where you can live, to cover the bankruptcy of sin. And it was prepared at the beginning of time, ready to be added to as different people came to know the son. Thomas pipes up and asks a question. Thomas gets a bad reputation, doesn't he? Ros had a bit of reputation at school for talking in class and got thrown out of one of her GCSE art exams because she was accused of talking when she didn't. And maybe, you know, I remember Joel when he was younger had a bit of a reputation for being silly. So any silliness, he would be accused of it. And a bad reputation isn't good. Thomas has this reputation of a doubter. We've talked about this before. But actually, he only really makes three statements. One of them is to say, I won't believe it until I see Jesus with my own eyes and feel him and touch his whole, the holes, the wounds in his hands with my own fingers. Another one is where he says, we're going to go and we're going to die with him. And then the third one that I'm going to say today is this. He pipes up and asks a question that leads to this most important I am statement of Jesus. His question is this. He says, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Today, do you know where you're going? Do we know where we're going? And Jesus states the three-parter. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, God, except through me. That's a bold statement. That is a bold statement. Encouraging words, aren't they? But challenging for us too. And today, as we read those words, Jesus is reaffirming things that have already been said. He's reestablishing things that he's already said. He's emphasizing who he is. And it's also a simple message that we can share the gospel with. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and the life. Recently, I've joined with some of those who've delivered parcels, food parcels for the Walney Food Hub. Before I leave the building, I like to know where I'm going. I like to see the road names and plan out my route because I don't want to take the maximum amount of time. I don't want to go here, there and back to here again. I want to know that I can go from point A to point B to point C to point D to point E and it's going to do it in the best amount of time. 
And it's so much easier now than it used to be when I delivered flowers for Rosie's business because then you had to sit with a big map and you had to find the place on a map, circle it, and then you ended up with a very messy map at the end. So today, it's great because it can be done in no time. We can be planned and prepared simply by using a sat-nav on our phones. It's amazing, isn't it? Technology. We like to plan. Who now likes to know where they're going, when they're going? Yeah? You like to be planned. You like to know the time. You like to know the turnings you're going to take. Maybe you like to know where the speed cameras are. Who knows? But even sat-navs can go wrong. Even sat-navs can get it wrong. Driving to Isaac and Hannah's wedding in Belf- in, in, from Belfast to uh, Newcastle in, in Northern Ireland, we were with Ian and Xiao Yu, myself and Roz, and we had a vague idea of where we were heading. But we put the details into the car's sat-nav and trusted the car's sat-nav. At one point, it told us to turn off the main road. Now, the main road was heading to the place we needed to be. And it said, turn right, which I thought was a little bit strange, but I trusted the sat-nav because the sat-nav was going to tell me the way. So I followed the sat-nav and we turned right and we started going down some little roads. And as I looked at the screen and we followed the sat-nav's instruction, if I'd have kept following the sat-nav's instruction, we would have gone in a circle forever and ever and ever and ever. I don't know why, but the sat-nav was showing us the wrong way. If we'd have followed where the sat-nav told us, we would have driven around in circles. Do you know, a sat-nav can't be the whole way. It cannot be the whole way. It can offer good direction. It can offer good advice if it's programmed correctly and if no roadworks or accidents crop up or maybe new one-way systems. Have you ever been down a one-way street because of a sat-nav? I don't know. But Jesus doesn't say to Thomas, I'll show you the way. I'll be your sat-nav. You can tell me where you want to go and I'll get you there. Jesus says, I am the way. Not just I'll point you there, not just I'll point you in the right direction and leave you to it. He says, I am the way. Echoes of the sheep gate, reminding them that following him is following the way. Not just following good advice, not just following a mantra for life, but by following a man who is everything for life. He also doesn't say he is a way. He is a way. He doesn't say that. He says he is the way. He's not one of many. I love Barrow for many, many reasons in the surrounding area because you can pretty much get to anywhere in the town if you just head in the vague direction. You can turn down any street, you can turn down any road, and you can pretty much find your way to the place. You know, you can go anywhere and turn down so many different ways. There are so many ways to get from A to B. Going home today, maybe some people would, would, would go from here down the coast road. Nice drive, you get nice views. You can go and stop by at Roy's Ice Creams, if you know who Roy's Ice Creams are. Last time I spoke about Roy's Ice Creams, a lady didn't. Very good, very cheap and very excellent. There are other ice creams available. But sometimes it's nice to go down the coast road to get a view of the sea, to get a view of the sun. Some say it's great to go through the abbey. You know, to get from Salt House to Dalton. Some people love, oh, I, I like the windy lanes. It's quicker, it's shorter. More, it's more dangerous. I'm getting grief off our tech person here, Jake, if you can hear him. But it, it might be quicker, but actually there's also people coming the other way who think it's quicker, who can cause you to puncture your tyres by driving too close to the side and things like that. I prefer to go the way past the sixth form college because I know I'm going to get there probably without an accident. 
And I know actually, if I go at the speed limits, it's probably not dissimilar anyway. So there are so many ways to get home. There's so many ways to get from here to there. But in life eternal, Jesus says, I am the way. There's not many ways. He doesn't say, I'm one of them. But he says, I am the way. Because actually, if there was loads of other ways to get from here to the Father, why did Jesus have to die? What's the point in that? If we could get to to heaven, to that eternity by being good people, why did Jesus have to die? If we could get there by, by doing good deeds, why did Jesus have to die? Because Jesus himself says, I am the way. John's gospel starts by setting the scene for this whole thing. He sets a verse. If you know John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, he was with God, and he was God. That's Jesus. Jesus is the Word. We have the Word of God that we read from every Sunday, and hopefully you read it every day. But in the beginning was Jesus. And he was with God, and he was God. And here Jesus says, I am that word. I am that word. I am the way. Then he says, I am the truth. We have a very interesting relationship with the truth, don't we? (laughs) Children are encouraged to tell the truth. But often... They're the worst liars because they, none of us want to get found out. None of us like to be, to be uncovered, if you like, and, and those things unhidden. Many of us will experience children lying to not get into trouble. I've shared before about Joel when he was young, about three and Chloe was about one. And he wrote his name beautifully on a newly painted door. And when asked, have you done this? He said, no, it was Chloe who was a baby because he didn't want to get into trouble but it was so beautifully written, we left it there. Apparently, scientists have worked out that lying only really starts from the age of three. That actually, before three, children don't really lie. They might sometimes make believe, but they don't purposefully lie. I can remember Chloe having a babysitter once. We only had her once because we went out for a a staff do, I think it was, and Chloe had this babysitter. And every 15 minutes, uh, I was getting a phone call saying, Chloe's told me it's okay for her to do this. Is that right? And I was like, no, don't listen to Chloe. She's just trying to get away with stuff. And every 15 minutes, I would get a phone call saying, Chloe's told me that it's absolutely fine for them to, I don't know, know, to go running around the house with a chainsaw. They didn't say that, but that would have been really silly. But that's the sort of thing, you know, Chloe's told me it's okay to do this. Are you sure? And I was like, no, because they had to check it against the truth. They had to measure it against the truth. And sadly, lies carry on into adulthood. As we get older, it becomes less innocent and more devious. In fact, truth has become a very grey area in the world of politics, hasn't it? Our leaders, fake news is the cry when we don't want to believe what we hear or when we don't want people to believe what they see or when we don't want to agree with somebody else's point of view. That's the cry that rings out. After this passage, Jesus comes to trial with Pontius Pilate and Pilate says to him, what is truth? And maybe many people in our world today are asking that question, what is truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. The Manic Street Preachers released an album called This Is My Truth, So Tell Me Yours. That implies that there's lots of different levels of truth, that truth is no longer absolute, but actually it is. We always need to hold something to a standard. 
if you were an airline pilot flying in the dark with no lights and no sun on the horizon and no, no nothing around you, you have to trust your instruments. If the instruments say that the plane is level and the plane is at a certain height, the pilot trusts that truth. He could look outside and go, oh, I think we feel like we're nosediving. Oh, I think we feel like we're spinning and make alterations that could actually end up crashing the plane. In fact, I think it was John F. Kennedy Jr. that did exactly that and flew, trusting his own instincts instead of trusting the the instruments. I could stand here today and claim to be six foot tall and 13 stone. But a tape measure will tell you and a scale will tell you I'm just under one and a bit over the other. Because we measure it to a standard. We hold it to something that we know to be true. Many people recognise that when searching the internet, it's important to check our sources, isn't it? People share things that actually, if you do a little bit of research, actually aren't true. Actually don't hold water. Don't just go with Wikipedia. That's something we tell our children, I hope. Sometimes it can be a great source of information, but don't just go with Wikipedia because anybody can put anything on there and unless it's caught quickly, you could read things like this. Under the heading of reality in Wikipedia, underneath it just said, it's all a myth. So somebody had edited it. Under the president of Turkey, someone put a picture of a cockroach because that's what they thought him to be. Mariah Carey's Wikipedia entry, the facts under her name said that she died at Christmas 2016 because of embarrassment for the the record coming out all the time every Christmas that she sings. My favourite was under the Wikipedia entry for drummer because under the entry for drummer it says a drummer is someone who likes to hang out with musicians, which I thought was was really good. You know, sorry drummers out there. Jesus says, I tell you the truth more than 60 times in the New Testament. I tell you the truth because it's so important to hear the truth and Jesus' teachings are true. But here, he doesn't just say, I'm going to tell you the truth. He says, I am the truth. That means he is the standard to measure against. He is the thing we hold it up to. If it doesn't match with his truth, it's not true. That's what Jesus is saying. People, including Christians, often say, what is God saying? Or I want to know what God's thoughts on this are. But actually, in many cases, God has already said. God has already said. And Jesus said, I am the truth. Hold it up to me and you'll see. If it doesn't match up with what I'm saying and what I'm teaching, then it's just not true. Jesus is the truth. Not just a version of the truth. Not just a part of the truth. But he is the truth. Are we only comfortable today with Jesus and his teaching when it suits us? Are we only comfortable today? Are we only happy to take God's word when it fits in with our agenda for life? He's compassionate, he's kind, he's loving and he died for you and for me. That's a great truth and we love to hold on to that. He is the way to the Father and he is the truth to live by and stand with. Maybe our world leaders have paid lip service to God's word and saying we're God's country, but how do they measure up with the truth of Jesus? When Jesus says, love God first and love your enemies. When Jesus says, welcome those who have nothing. When somebody preaches a gospel of promising wealth, health and happiness alone. And Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay down his head. Does that sound like a promise of health, wealth and prosperity? No, it sounds like a difficult life in the here and now. But actually... He is the truth. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Pay your taxes. Do things right. 
Maybe today, like that famous movie quote, you can't handle the truth. Maybe today we can't handle it. But he's also the life. I love the film The Truman Show. And uh, it's a great film. It's all about a man who is born in a, in a recording studio environment. And people tune in to watch this person grow up and get old. And all the other people in his world are actors and actresses and, and adverts. And it's fake. But one of the quotes from the person who is producing that program says that people will believe in the reality that they are presented with. People will believe the reality that they're presented with. To many people, maybe you watching and maybe you listening, the only reality you know is the now that you live in, is the here and now. That's the only reality you're aware of. But Jesus here is pointing towards a life that will never end, an eternal life, a perspective that's bigger than we know now. Because Jesus came to give life eternal. But now he's saying, not just I am the way, I am the truth, but I am the life. What does that mean? That Jesus brings satisfaction even in hardship. That Jesus can bring joy even in the midst of pain and tears. That Jesus came to give life and he is the life. When I was younger, I used to go on United Beach missions a few times and used to go to a beach with a big red shirt and a massive blue collar that if it blew the wind, you could take off. And you would just, we would be there to sort of play games, a bit like what we're trying to do, I suppose, on the field at Walney, is to get to know people. And there was a song we used to sing in the afternoon, which was, I am the way, the truth and the life. That's what Jesus says. And it says this, without the way, there's no going. If there's no way, you can't go. Jesus said, I'm the way, and only through me can you come to the Father. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Because actually, if we don't know something to be true, then we're going to be led astray by all sorts of false things. And then the final one, without the life, there is no living. Not quite as catchy and rhyming, I would say. Without the life, there is no living. This again is linked to the good shepherds I am. I am the good shepherd. When he says, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life to the full. It's always been a competition in our house at mealtimes to have the biggest glass at the table. Because we've got so many different sorts of glasses. Young people have come and, and broken them over the years and people have taken them with them if they've liked them. But actually, it's always been a bit of a competition to have the biggest glass, hasn't it, Joel? Competition is the biggest glass. Why? Because we want a full drink that's going to satisfy us and last us through our meal. That's why. So you want the big glass so you can have a big drink. If we go out for a meal, there's been a rule. I don't know if you have this rule when you ever go out for a meal, if you ever do. But we always said you can have one drink and that's going to last you. And that was the rule. And so I think that was something that was instilled in me by my dad as well when I was younger. You have the one drink and that's got to last you. Well, we've had foster children like Corey in our house and Corey would get his drink and he would knock it back. It was usually, let me just get this straight, it was Diet Coke, okay? He would normally knock it back before the meal had even arrived and then he'd sit there going, I'm thirsty. Because he didn't have enough. His glass was no longer full. He drained it and it had gone. This life now is like that one drink rule. This life, we've got one life here and now. And you know, Jesus offers the biggest and fullest life you can have here and now. It is the best drink. It's the biggest and it is the fullest. But the big picture is this. 
Jesus is like the bottomless cup. That not just is the biggest glass, but it never stops being filled. And it's full to overflowing and it never runs dry. That's what he means when he says, I am the life. Because it's a life that's not just here and now. It's not just one drink and it's gone and that's it. It's a bottomless life that starts today, but goes on into a far better place in that place that God has prepared for us. The Father, the Betav, the Father's house. The room that has been added on for you if you've accepted Jesus as the way. Today, as I finish, we need to hear Jesus' words and we need to test them against his example. His words are, I am the way, the truth and the life. What he's saying is, do you want to know the way? Do you want to know the way to that father's house, the place of protection, the place of provision and the place of eternal blessing? Well, Jesus is the answer. Do you want to know the truth? You know, are you asking so many questions about life and meaning? There was a children's program in America that I read about called Gumball, I think it is. And they produced a song. One of the episodes, the main character was shouting at the universe, what is the point? This is a children's program. And the song that was sung back to him was, there is no point, you're just a speck on a rock. And that's it. That's not the truth. Because Jesus died for you. God sent his son to die for you. Do you want to know the truth? Jesus is the truth. Do you want to know what life is really all about? Jesus is the life. And he promises it will not run dry. He promises that one day there'll be no pain, no suffering, no tears. So as we come to the end today, let's hear what Jesus says. Maybe you have never accepted him. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I thank you for dying on that cross for me. Maybe you've never said, I'm sorry for the stuff that I've done. And I'm sorry for the stuff that I will do. But I know that you've taken the punishment for me. I know that you've paid the price. And Jesus, I thank you for giving it, that you beat death because you're not just the life, you're the resurrection. Today, Jesus says to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you are a Christian today, It's time to really get aligned with his truth. It's time to live in his truth. And it's time to stop thinking that it's just a one cup offer. But actually he has an endless supply of his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness and his faithfulness. Today, he says, I'm going to show you the way, but I am the way. I don't just show you the truth, I am the truth. And I'm not just going to point to a life. I can be that life today. 